We're happy to have this episode sponsored by Real Mushrooms. You probably already know about some of the great benefits of adding mushrooms to your diet, like better sleep, greater mental clarity, and a stronger immune system, but not all mushroom products are equal. Real Mushrooms is the real deal. Many mushroom companies harvest the mushroom and the grain it's growing on. Real Mushrooms products contain no grains or starch fillers. They're organic, cultivated naturally, and third-party verified for beta-glucans, the compound that makes them so valuable as a supplement. They even have a science and medical team of doctors who ensure that Real Mushrooms meets the highest standards. What I personally love is how informative their website is. Have questions about what mushroom is right for you? They have a robust blog with articles ranging from women's health to what mushrooms are most beneficial to your pet. Want to boost your immune system? Have better sleep and feel more calm? Grab the link in the show notes and get 25% off of your first order. Curiously enough, acupuncture is not just sticking needles into people. It's part of a coherent and observation-based medicine that experienced practitioners of the art have handed down over the centuries. I'm Michael Max, your host and guide of Everyday Acupuncture. Listen in as we explore how you can apply the principles of this ancient medicine in your everyday life. This episode of Everyday Acupuncture is sponsored in part by the Seattle Institute of East Asian Medicine. Seattle Institute has been training exceptional clinicians since 1994. The program at Seattle Institute represents a modern take on the age-old model of apprenticeship training. One experienced teacher working with a small group of students focused on the clinical interaction with a patient. Using this approach, not only provides students with the highest level of clinical training available today, it also grounds the program in the traditional methodologies used for centuries in the training of medical professionals. Seattle Institute of East Asian Medicine is accepting applications now for the master's and doctoral programs beginning in September 2018. For more information, go to www.siom.edu or visit the show notes page for this episode. Hey folks, welcome back to Everyday Acupuncture Podcast. I've got Liz March with me. Liz is a 20 plus year practitioner of Chinese medicine. She teaches at the Oregon College of Oriental Medicine, and she's also got a background in body work and massage. Today, we're talking about raising a rash with gua sha. This is something she's really into. This is something that y'all should know about. This is some powerful Chinese folk medicine that you can use for all kinds of different things. I'm delighted to have Liz here. Liz, welcome to Everyday Acupuncture. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. So, Gua Sha, how did you get interested in this stuff? Well, honestly, when I was a student in my master's program here, at, actually at Oakham, I... When I was in my Twina class, which is the Chinese medical massage, I was working on someone and actually raised shock, got this red, wait, they say millet-like. So, like, it starts off awesome with 
speckles and then kind of fills in from there. I got this red rash just with my hands. And um, having, oh, just your hands? You weren't scraping or anything? No, no. I was just using my hands. I I pressed pretty firmly, but it wasn't. Um, I was I wasn't using a specific tool. No. So I, I, the color started coming up, and my teacher was like, "Oh, this is you know, explain to me what Shaw was, and and that it was a good thing." And so from there, we actually it's a long time ago now. We didn't actually have a class in Washaw. It took some time before I ran across somebody who had actually studied with an instructor um, in Taiwan who used gua sha for everything, any kind of, well, any kind of complaint. They, it was a whole system of treatment for the body. So fascinated with that. And because of, you know, having, doing, doing the tween and doing massage before that, I had a, uh, I have very, I have a very strong consciousness of the kind of the quality of tissue, what what people's muscles mm-hmm. feel like and skin and whatnot. So it was it's really interesting to me, and I mean along with cupping as well, because they both raise that uh, kind of shaw. Yeah. So this shaw is interesting stuff. Now. People listening to this podcast, I mean, there's some practitioners that listen, but this is mainly for the general public. Practitioners know what Shaw is, but but for those that are just regular folk listening to this, explain Shaw. What is it? Why does it show up? And and even though it looks like a crime scene, why is it a good thing? So what is it? It's, um, well, first of all, it looks like a really terrible bruise. I've had, you know, people describe it. It's like you drug me across the carpet. Well, it, it's, it, well, yes and no. It's red. Sometimes it's, uh, it's kind of splotchy. Some portions that will, will be darker. Some, sometimes it shows up almost like a red carpet, really like consistent and even. Sometimes it shows up as just little uh, dark spots. It can be from the like wine colored, all the variety of colors of wine, really. Like, so from a brighter red to like a maroon kind of a shade, all the way to almost like dark purpley black. All of those colors let us know the state of the circulation under the skin. So tell us, why is this, why does the Shaw stuff show up with Gua Sha? So that, like I said, the state of the con- state of the circulation under the skin, when you rub over it, we are creating a bruise. But it's not a bruise like someone hit you. It's a bruise because there's stagnation, we say, blood stagnation under the skin, in the muscle tissue, in the other layers, that when you push on it, actually it breaks those little tiny vessels and it brings that redness up to the surface. Now, if it's just, uh, if there's just a little bit and it's just a few speckles and it's bright red, it's pretty normal, well-circulating tissue. There's, there's The blood is going through. It's not getting stuck. The darker it gets, the more we know that there's likely pain. There's likely like possible di- problems with range of motion and um, lack of function of that circulation in the tissue. So the darker it gets, the older often that stuckness is, is as well. So when I say this, it could be you had a car accident 20 years ago. Somebody gets in there and it looks, I mean, it looks terrible, but it's because 
there's been a problem for 20 years, that stuckness, that injury that was there, never actually completely got healed. So why is that good? Well, what does circulation do? Circulation brings nutrition to the tissues, all of them. And when you have nutrition brought, then you have like the garbage garbage service is restored. You have the the things coming in and the things going out, and you can have a healing process happen. So the shock can be different colors, and the different colors are indicative of a situation that's maybe not so bad or a situation where there might actually be a lot of stagnation in the tissues, there's mm-hmm. problems with the circulation, maybe even old injuries or something that hasn't completely resolved. Yeah. This helps to bring it up and out of the body. Exactly. Yeah. It can be used for other things as well. Yeah. What kinds of issues do you find that you use gua sha for? What are the common ways that you use it in your clinical practice? So I tend to do a little less of this, but one of the ways that is most often used uh, pan-culturally all over the world is actually to help cure the common cold. So scraping at the surface, we say when there's a common cold, the wind has attacked, oh no, and it, the cold has gotten trapped in the surface, and we use this tool and we scrape that surface. It, and often in this case, we're not getting color up so much as we're getting... Um, we're releasing the pores so that there's an exchange again and your immune system can actually begin to protect you again from this cold. You go through the process of healing from that process, that, that situation. What I use it for more often, though, is what I described. Um, old injuries. I have a patient, for instance, who is an artist who does woodcuts. And she has a kind of a chronic overuse syndrome on her with her shoulders and her arms. And I often will use this around her shoulders, on her neck, is that the position she gets in. There's a lot of computer work with her business. And it helps to keep that circulation happening. So in her, uh, those little tiny injuries from small amounts of overwork don't become a bigger injury that's going to stop her from being able to do her art. So I, another case, I have a young fellow who um, was a gymnast and was playing around at the beach and doing a backflip, landed on his head, very badly injured his back. He broke a couple of his vertebra, and there have been long-term problems, radiating problems in his chest and in his back. I did the gua sha and did the scraping and began to get that those injuries to surface. One thing I will say about the way that I practice it is that, um, again, I do twina, this Chinese massage. I always do the twina first. I always get in there with my hands and warm up the muscles, get the circulation moving, get, and I can tell when that rosiness comes up um, that's demonstrating the circulation is um, present. When I press on it with my finger, it'll turn white. And it's, it's like just a little bit of pressure and things stop. And that tells me that it, this is a really good, this is a good place to choose to do this work because it, at a deeper level, possibly there is more, more stagnation in the tissue. So I will then employ the spoon. I always ask my patients, are you okay with me using the spoon now? And um, get in there and actually begin to raise that 
that deeper stagnation up to the surface. So that's mostly how I use it. I I've employed it everywhere from the bottom of the feet to the calves to the bottom of the feet. The bottom of the feet, absolutely. Plantar fasciitis. You don't get as much shaw on the bottom of the foot, but you can definitely get in there and break up scar tissue in the fascia on the bottom of the feet. Well, that's just a home. I mean, people could just do that themselves at home while they're watching television, couldn't they? Absolutely. Let's talk about, I want to come back in a moment and talk about more things that you use or some more things that you treat with it. But mm-hmm. let's talk about implements. You just said spoon. The spoon, yeah. Now, now I've seen this done in, in Asia. I mean, mm-hmm. there's like not a grandma or auntie in, in China or Taiwan that doesn't know about this stuff and how to use it. It's it's very, very common over there. And often people, I mean, women in particular will carry a little, they call it a gua sha ban. It's a, like a little, uh, it's like a little a piece of horn usually yeah. or sometimes it's a stone and you know they they'll they'll do the scraping with it but very commonly chinese soup spoon yeah ceramic soup spoon works really well so that it sounds like that's your implement of choice yeah is that, is that the case uh, um mostly yeah i have been given numerous of the horn like water water buffalo horn implements i have uh, a metal one it's made out of copper. I have a jade one. It's really beautiful. I've used, well, I know I personally haven't used coins or even just the lid of a, a like a jar. People use all kinds of things for this. I use a soup spoon and my favorite one actually has a, it wouldn't be very good for eating soup, honestly. <laughs> it has a very shallow bowl and a very broad side. And it has a nice, big, thick handle. So I the I think the difference in the style or the way that I perform gua sha from many of folks that I've seen practice it is the position that I hold the spoon in my hand. So I put the, the bowl in my palm and, and the um, handle up towards my fingers, and then I push using my palm. So it takes very little effort and very, uh, and you get a very deep response really quickly. So I don't spend a ton of time doing the gua sha, and I don't wear my thumb out. So it's one of the big things that I, I just experimented a long time with this tool, and it's why I choose a spoon because it's easier to hold on to that way than many of the other implements I've used. I see. Tell us about how you gua up a sha. I mean, for people that are listening and they're interested, mm-hmm. walk us through the process. So, I mean, how do you prepare? I mean, you talked about that you do a little massage. Walk us through how somebody would, you know, maybe they got sore shoulders or they've got, you know, they got a little occipital headache or something like that. How would you take your spoon and, and go to work to bring up a shot? What do you do? Walk us through it. So first of all, I'm going to have, I, usually I'd have somebody lie down. And it's nice to have a massage table because they can have their neck relaxed in that position. I'll put some balm on of some kind, a kind of a salve that has a, maybe a little bit of beeswax and some, or some uh, other kind of oils that are a little bit like stickier and thicker. And then I often, really often actually I use frankincense and some other herbs that are actually really helpful to get the body to resolve the shock when it comes up to help that 
that bruise mm-hmm. move away. And, um, and I'll do some massage. I do some kind of grasping, like picking up the muscles and squeezing them and pushing down along them. So I'm getting a feel for where the tightness is, the, the difference between one side and another. The, and, and also getting feedback from the, you know, from who I'm working on about, you know, where is that sore? Because sometimes when you have a pain, where the tightness is isn't exactly the same place as where the pain is. So I'll get a feel for that, and then when I'm uh, when I get into the process of actually doing the the gua sha, I obviously, like I said, I put the spoon in my palm and draw it over the area. Generally, you know, over a gen- a, a, a broader area, because sometimes the places show up being having stagnation that maybe I didn't get to in my treatment. So I'll do. Like the, I'll work on the neck, I'll work on the upper back, maybe go all the way down to the lower back and see how that feels spread out across the shoulders, over the top of the scapula. Have to watch out and not take it to the bone because it doesn't feel very good. Well, what I'm looking for is what you're doing with the spoon. I mean, if somebody was trying to to do this, I mean, what part of the spoon? Do you hold it at a certain angle? How much pressure? I mean, how do you know that you're getting the right amount of pressure. What are you looking for? What are you What are you feeling with your hands? So when I get in there, when I'm I'm pressing pretty firmly with the spoon, I'm feeling for the tissue that's resistant, that's kind of got uh, bumps or knots in it. Hopefully, I've moved. I've gotten that relaxed a little bit with the massage, but yeah, pressing in and it's pretty firm pressure. A lot of people start lighter and then move deeper. Usually with the massage, it, it the folks have gotten more accustomed to the depth of my pressure, so I can start with the with the gua sha a little more firmly. I will said I put the bowl of the spoon in my palm and I push with that. So the whole pushing technique, you're kind of getting your palm at a little bit of an angle to the tissue. And the, the idea is like you're pressing the blood out of it and pushing the blood down towards the bottom of the body. So you have the spoon in your palm that actually just improves that process. So you always go from top to bottom? I do. It's a very, we say, dispersing or sedating technique. It moves the blood really strongly. So I like to go with the flow of the channel on the body so it kind of balances out so it's not so likely because I mean one of the possibilities with this technique is that you you can be tired from it it could make somebody tired Mm -hmm. so if if they're kind of weak or run down you want to be careful with this exactly it's a pretty strong technique are there other contraindications situations you would either want to not do this or that you'd want to be careful about Well, definitely you don't want to go over any moles or any other spots on the body that are likely to cause bleeding or you're likely to cause an injury. You know what you were saying about the constitution? If if somebody is depleted, and I don't mean they're tired from a cold, but depleted like they have been working really hard for a long time or their constitution is weakened, um, I can't say specifically they're old or young because sometimes older people are very vital. 
but if they're kind of worn down, and I'm not quite sure how else to explain it. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think we all know what worn down looks like, right? You look at someone, they're just sort of dog-tired, their yeah. eyes are drooping, their complexion is probably not so good. It's not going to sound good either. And it's one of the ways that I often choose whether or not to do a technique is I describe it to the person and I say, how does that sound to you? Does that sound like that could be helpful or does that sound like it's too much? And maybe I'll try some and see how they respond to that as well. So, you know, usually people know how uh, you can feel in your body whether it's a good idea. Okay. What other kinds of issues do you treat? I mean, we're talking about the back here. You were talking about colds. Yeah. uh, Overused muscles, stuff like that. I mean, can you use it on all the parts of the body? Well, it's my understanding. I can't say that from my own experience, I've used it on as many of the internal things that I expect you could. But I know from that student I was mentioning earlier that this doctor in Taiwan used it for heart pain. They would do gua sha over the area of the heart for um, cardiac pain. I use it frequently, not specifically for the condition, but I treat a lot of people who have anxiety and depression, and I find that there's often a lot of tension in their body. There are a lot, the, they may not have a specific pain, but they feel tight. And it, when I can do, I, like I said, I do a little massage and maybe a little bit of gua sha, and that will help to release that tension, which helps the, again, circulation and helps the anxiety reduce. So that's the, the, often how I use it. You know, another way, uh, there is a tradition in China, the grandmothers, they, they'll say the grandmother, your grandmother got you. If you have sinus congestion, They'll do with their index fingers and their thumbs and make little stars pressed in on a bundle of tissue over your eyes and make little stars across your your forehead um, for sinus congestion. You were talking about, you know, it gets used also for facial rejuvenation. It could be used on the face. Well, for- wait a minute. Wait, hang on. Hang oh, on okay. a second. I want to. I want to go back to the sinuses. Okay, the sinuses. D- describe for us again how you would treat the sinuses with this. So it, this is it. This is a traditional thing in China. I've only ever done it to one person because most people won't consent to have bruises on their face. So that would be something I'd have to explain really carefully. But my half brother was very curious and had a really bad sinus headache, and the technique was kind of to bunch up a bundle of skin again that's across the forehead, just above the eyebrows, with your thumb and your index finger. So if you kind of pinch up. And you can, you can do this all the way across, and you can tell the thing about this technique, if there is no stagnation, you don't get any shock. Right. You the won't get any discoloration if there's yeah, no there, problem. Yeah, if there's not a problem, there's not going to be any discolor, discoloration, as you said. I saw an interesting thing when I first got to Beijing. Mm-hmm. I used to live in Beijing. This was like early part, I can't believe it, early part of the century, I was living in Beijing. And I got there in the fall, and it's dry, and it's dusty. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. And something I noticed very quickly, especially as we got into the fall season, and it got even drier, people are starting to get sore throats. I would see people with three stripes on their throat. Yeah. 
one purple stripe like right on the right on the trachea and then two parallel stripes maybe an inch away they were like these uh you know like 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 a banded hickey or something and and people had it all over the place and they were doing it for these sore throats uh-huh. improve the circulation yeah especially with the dryness we say that we talk about the the internal organs in chinese medicine and when we say for instance the zong we're not just talking about the tissue that's in your chest that we think of from a western perspective of the lung but we're thinking of a whole system a whole anatomy so the throat is part of it, and as you might guess, the nose, the whole distance between the nasopharynx from the behind the nose all the way down into the throat, and then the outer channel that's on the arm, and you will see symptoms from you know external, like weather and the dust will manifest in all of those places. So I would think water would be really helpful with that too, drinking plenty of fluids. Yeah. What what about like ear congestion from a from a cold or something like that? Could you could you get up like behind the ears and work on the neck and use station tubes and all that? Have you ever done that? Um, you know, I've actually heard of a technique where you go internally with a glove and massage that. Um, I haven't ever used washa for that, but you could definitely come along around the mastoid process just behind the ear, that rounded prominence behind the ear, and come down mm-hmm. the SVM, which comes toward the front of the neck, and, and work on that. Yeah, I'm sure, you know, it's really easy in private practice to get accustomed to using techniques for certain things, but there are so many ways it can be used. Absolutely. You were mentioning facial rejuvenation yeah. just a few minutes ago. Tell us more about that. So... It's honestly, it's not something that I practice. I've had a small amount of training in it, though. And one of the techniques, though, that gets used for it, I've seen more often cupping, but definitely gua sha. And it's a very much a surface technique where, again, you apply, apply some lubricant and, and just go move over the areas, especially working around where you might have wrinkles or this sort of thing. And again, I think that it would work because of the improvement in the circulation. You'd be bringing, it's kind of like we talk about a healing crisis. These, I think these techniques work really well because you are stimulating an area of the body. It's like a, a little injury that draws the attention of the healing strength of the body to bring nutrition, like I said before, oxygen, all of the things that we want to have circulating throughout our body to areas that may or may not, well, it may not be um, getting them. So you want your face to look better. We, we draw this, all of this energy there. And uh, I mean, we talk amongst ourselves, facial rejuvenation. I mean, really the face is reflective of the health of the whole body. So if you can improve you can help somebody feel better about how they look and you can actually do some work on the, their health improving, their face is going to improve as well. So I wouldn't call myself an expert at all on facial rejuvenation. And in fact, I, I wouldn't have thought of using gua sha that way. I've mostly um, heard of using the cupping. But that, I think mm-hmm. any technique could be possible. We definitely needle on the face and the massage. 
Well, so often with like little micro traumas, mm. like you would get from gua sha, or even from a needle for that matter, the body tends to, I mean, it will bring an anti-inflammatory response to that area. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and, and especially in the face, I believe it helps to build up some collagen, which is often what helps to puff things up. Restore the, the fluid to the tissue. Right. I mean, anytime you increase blood flow and increase circulation, fluid metabolism, mm-hmm. uh, any tissue involved is, is going to feel better, look better, and be more functional. What are some of the more interesting things that you've seen happen with gua sha? Have you got any things that are just like, oh, holy smokes, I can't believe this happened? Well, you know, actually what comes to my mind is using gua sha as one step in an, a series of treatments that includes a couple of other techniques. And it's probably a little out there for the average person to think about, but from my perspective, it creates miraculous results. And that's the process of I'll do the gua sha and bring that circulate that, that congestion up to the surface, use what we call a plum blossom, which is a little, it's like a hammer type instrument and just do tapping over it so it actually begins to bring the that congestion you know out of the body okay so for our listeners that don't know what this is a plum blossom is like a seven star it's it's these little tiny needles on yeah what's like a little flexible shafted hammer you can just kind of like tapity tap 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 these little needles so you're saying you you do gua sha you start to bring the shah up and then you tapity tap with the seven star hammer, plum blossom hammer. And then I put a cup on it. Oh my God. All right. So that's, so that's wet cupping. It is wet cupping, but I'll tell you, I have had people with serious, you know, when I was talking about the different colors of, of, Mm -hmm. of stagnation, you have a very dark area where, um, Things are not moving, and you you work on it, and you work on it, and you work on it, and you can't get the pain to go away. You know, there's always some part of that that's left. I've done this process on, on well, actually several, you know, several people, and had that level of problem go away. Now, it's usually not so much blood. That's a, a small amount compared to, like, if you have a cut or that sort of thing, but it brings it all the way from that deep level of the tissue. And, um, and then, of course, you have to be careful with the process. But I, I've had such interesting things happen with it and just really miraculous results. Yeah. All right. So, hey, kids, don't try this at home. I mean, what, what Liz has just described here, this is, this is the domain of a professional. So you professionals out there, y'all could do it, right? And for, and for those of you that might be listening to this and you've got something that's really tight, really painful, nothing has helped it at all, you might want to check out an acupuncturist and have them do this for you. I know. Yeah. So it's gua sha. Gua sha, plum blossom, and then cupping. And a cup. Yeah. Well, that just sounds delicious. So, so this is for like really deep-seated pain that is just not resolving. What about like trigger points? Oh, this yeah. This would probably be great for trigger points, that. right? Yeah. Yeah, and believe me, you know, it's not a thing that I would just randomly do. It's when I get that shaw 
Um, I've been working on somebody for a while. I get it to come up. I get it to come up. I get it to come up, but I'm still not getting a resolution. Mm -hmm. Because after you do gua sha a few times, you should see the color of the sha change. Absolutely. And disappear frequently. That's right. How long does the sha usually stick around? You know, I would say it really varies from person to person. It depends on how good your overall circulation is. Um, and then it depends also on how dark the shot is to start with and then how long the injury has been around. So it could be anywhere from two or three treatments to get, get stuff moving. Especially, you know, somebody like maybe an athlete or somebody who is doing, getting a lot of exercise and moving a lot, things are going to improve more quickly, I would suggest. Somebody who's maybe not getting as much exercise, maybe has been slowed down by an injury, that it can take a little longer. Are there any resources that you're familiar with that our listeners could go check out if they wanted to know more about doing Gua Sha? Well, the, there's a book, um, oh, and I'm sorry, I can't say her last name. Her name is First name is Ari, and it's called Gua Sha. Beyond that, you know, I haven't run across a lot of specific articles. Is it Aria Nielsen? I think so, yeah. That sounds right. I think so. Yeah, yeah she's, she's, I mean, she's one of the earlier people to publish on this subject. Um, I don't know of a lot of research on specifically Gua Sha. And it's like a lot of things that are, you know, pretty much anybody could do it, at least to start off with. Um, maybe not in more advanced applications, but, you know, I, just like cupping, uh, if this is a thing that a parent can do for a child to help them get rid of a cold or to help move phlegm out of their chest. It's, it's a really simple technique that's really accessible to people. But because of that, you know, who's going to do research on something that anybody can do? It just doesn't usually happen. That's right. Well, you know, it's interesting. That, um, I think there's a group of physical therapists. They've mm -hmm. come up with a thing. They call it the Graston technique. Yeah. Are you familiar with this? Yeah, the Graston technique, which is basically, it's gua sha, right? It is. Yeah, absolutely. It's gua sha. They made a special tool. Yeah, they don't use soup spoons. No, they don't. They don't use a soup spoon. No, they made a special, uh, you know, stainless steel tool and... Honestly, it's my understanding from my Chinese professors that chiropractic and there were there were early folks who kind of founded those disciplines in this country who spent time studying in China. So <laughs> I always like that. I mean, the Chinese were the first to do everything. They've been doing culture and medicine for a long time. Well, yeah, the culture is, is ancient compared to ours. Liz, anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners before we say goodbye for today? Well, you know, it it can be a lot of people just have a feeling of like, oh, I shouldn't have marks from a technique that's supposed to be a healing technique. And I would just really offer that it, it's really actually worth giving something a try. Um, but make sure if you do that, that you let the, your family members know, anybody who might you after you've had a treatment like this and let them know that it is a healing technique. It's not you weren't injured and nobody did harm you. There's a lot of misunderstanding about that. Um, there have been problems with 
Asian families and parents doing things that are meant to be healing for their children and having people think, oh, my God, this child has bruises all over them. How could this be helpful? We have a lot of biases in this culture, and it's really, you know, bruising, we we do consider it a sign of, you know, something bad happening. And there are definitely times when it can really be helpful. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm actually reluctant to call it a bruise because when I think about bruises and I think about how bruises feel and I think about mm-hmm. how bruises heal, how they feel and how they heal, the shot of gua sha is nothing like a bruise. Number one, it doesn't hurt. Number two, it doesn't turn all those yellow, green, disgusting colors as it heals. It just slowly fades and it feels and you feel better for having had it, not worse. Exactly. So I, I, I kind of like using just the term Shah. No, I agree with you. It is a different thing. It is a different thing. It's not really a bruise. It, 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 it looks like a crime scene. I mean, I often warn my patients, you know, this is going to look terrible. It's going to look like road rash. Yeah. But you're going to feel like a million bucks. Yeah. If you, if it's, if it's done too long or too hard, it will be painful. And that's, is a sign of the, the practitioner not being as careful as they might be. Well, you know, it's, it's kind of like the Goldilocks and Three Bears thing. You want you want what's just right. Exactly. Great. Well, Liz, thank you so much for sharing your time with us here today. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. I love talking about Chinese medicine. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Everyday Acupuncture. If so, please take a moment, click on the iTunes review button, and leave a review of the show. And be sure to tune in again next week.